Blog Talk Radio.
asking who we need And call this liberty tonight and those that uh, are going to listen to the archives later. Uh, well, I certainly appreciate the folks taking the time to listen to the show. And uh, with that in mind, let me tell you that, uh, and, and I don't know what difference it's going to make to, uh, <clears throat> to the way that you hear the show or what you hear during the show. I believe it's mainly just stuff that happens beforehand. Uh or maybe they, uh, I know that uh, radio stations uh, have ways of uh, like compressing audio and stuff like that. So they can make uh, places to put in advertising. But I've gone ahead after five years and uh, monetized this show. Like I said, what that means to, to you, I don't think it... I don't think it'll mean much, because I think, as far as I know, they were already putting in uh, ads at the beginning of the show. I just uh, I just wasn't getting any revenue for it. <clears throat> and uh, I believe the way it works now, from what I understand, is that uh, when you're watching the show, uh, from the, uh, like from the show page, that uh, when you click on the ads, <coughs> that, uh, uh, that I receive a certain portion of the revenue that Blog Talk gets for the uh, for the folks that pay for advertising. So, what does that mean to you? Well, you can help me out by clicking on the ads. If you're listening to the show from the show page on your computer, then uh, just click around on the ads while you're <coughs> while you're watching the show because they're that that's what they're paying for. They're not really paying for you to buy stuff. They're paying uh, for you to uh, to look at their advertising, and that's what advertisers pay for. They want you to look at their advertising. So, uh, if you guys uh, during the uh, the hour, an hour and a half, how long the the show lasts, if you guys will 
while you're sitting there watching it. And if you will take a look at the uh, the different ads that are on the page and uh, click around through them, open them up, read them, take a look. Like I said, you don't have to buy anything. Uh, they're just paying for you to look at them. And, uh, and that will help me out with the show because, <clears throat> like I said, I've been doing it for about five years now with uh, with no help uh, and no uh, uh, revenue or anything from it. And I don't mind, <clears throat> but if uh, if opting into the revenue sharing can help pay to keep me on the air, then I'll be glad to do that. So while you're watching the show from the show page, uh, click around on the different ads that they have there, and uh, and then in 30 days I'll let you know how it turns out. I think that that's how they run it. I think every I think 30 days. Uh, from the uh, uh, from the time it starts until uh, until they start uh, uh, posting revenue to you. Now I can't do it because uh, because I can't click on ads. I'm sure people, some people could just sit there and uh, and click on ads all day or something on their for their own show to make money. But I, I I'm sure they have a way of figuring that out, and you can't do that. So I'm depending on you guys. To click around on the ads and uh, and take a look at the advertising. All right. I want to remind folks that uh, Battle Road has our uh, biannual end of the world as we know it zombie destruction run and gun biathlon coming up in April, the April 11th. And uh, if you haven't heard me talk about the Run and gun. It is a four and a half mile looping trail with eight shooting stations uh, along the length of the trail uh, for rifle and pistol. And uh, one of the stations is a transitional stage. And there may be, we may add another one in. But there'll be uh, eight stations for rifle and pistol. And then there are obstacles between the stations. The reason that uh, we do this is to give you a chance to uh, take a look and see how your shooting skills and your stamina and your gear all have to work together. You know, when you're doing something like this, you you're you're not just depending on being a uh, uh, you know a good runner, uh, unless that's your strategy: run, run away, which is which is really good strategy for about 99% of, uh, of the encounters you may uh, eventually. Uh, but it's not just to see how well you run. It's not just to see how well you shoot. <laughs> uh, it's to see how well uh, you can move, that you can move a distance. And this isn't very far, four and a half miles. It's really not that far. Most people have a, uh, you know, have a fast walk pace of about four to five miles an hour. And when you see the people out on the side of the road and they're they're walking, uh, where they got a good clip, uh, you know, the people going or going around the uh, uh, the field, the track of the field, uh, that's about a four to five mile pace. You know, a good uh, brisk walk. <clears throat> 
so you can do this you can do the uh, four point five miles in about uh, uh about an hour uh hour and ten minutes or so you know I had a good clip walk now you won't because there there will be other things you'll have to do, which are the shooting stations and the obstacles and stuff <clears throat> but uh even at a brisk walk it's only, it's not that long and it's and it's very easy to do and you don't have nobody has to run it's called a running gun, but uh you don't have to run. You can just walk at a pretty decent pace, or you can just walk. You can just walk uh, because uh, at the end of the day, all we're trying to do is to make sure that you've added in some movement, not just a little, but a decent amount of movement uh, so that you can see how you do whenever you uh, are, uh, how you can how you shoot when you also add in physical exertion and fatigue. Because it makes a difference. There's a big difference between uh, getting out of your car or walking up to the uh, range and uh, and nonchalantly getting everything ready and shooting. There's a big difference between that and uh, and walking for a mile uh, with gear on and stuff before you begin shooting. Okay? Uh, and... Uh, last but not least, <clears throat> we wanted a way for you to be able to actually use all that gear that you have. You know that uh, that nice uh, uh, gear that you've gotten from wherever Cabela's. Uh, you know uh, uh, all of that gear that uh, you're planning on using at the end of the world when the zombies uh, appear <clears throat> may or may not work for you. And you don't want to find out when you really need it. You want to find out, uh, you know, at the running gun. You want to do it where you can uh, uh, you can take the stuff off or switch it around or, uh, you know, adjust your pace or whatever. Uh, not whenever you are depending on it. And that's what this is for. Uh, you get a uh, backpack that's not fitting right. And uh, you'll know, you'll know pretty quick. A mile or so into the the running gun, you'll know that that backpack isn't fitting right. It rubs a bloody blister on your shoulder. You'll you'll know for sure. Your shoes, how are they fitting? How are they working? Uh, they may look beautiful, but they may not be the shoes that you need to walk in. Uh, is your mag carriers are there? Can you access your mag carriers with the rest of your gear on? Uh, uh, and how do you move with all that gear on? Uh, and especially, and that's the, the reason for the obstacles. The obstacles aren't there to to break you or anything like that. None of them are designed to break you. They're they're all very relatively uh, easy obstacles. Uh, it's just so that you can see uh, what happens whenever you have to get on your hands and knees and, and crawl into some barbed wire or climb over a. Uh, a a gate, uh, or climb over a wall, uh, climb through some tires, things like that. So you can see how your gear is going to work whenever you do that. You know, when you're wearing your gear and you have to, to move around. You don't want to find these things out uh, when uh, when things are tight, you know. You want to find out how they work uh, when it is in a, a nice casual situation. So that's what we're trying to do for you, and uh, and at the same time, you know, it's a it's a chance for folks to hang out together, shoot the breeze, 
we'll have some vendors and stuff like that here, folks selling uh, uh, different kinds of gear for you. <clears throat> and uh, uh, I think it'll be an event that uh, you'll enjoy. It. Uh, the cost is 100 bucks per person. And uh, for that, you get your entry fee for the run. You get a T-shirt, and and we don't spare any expenses on the T-shirt. We we buy the highest quality T-shirt, and we make the printers put the uh, the most amount of ink we can get on there uh, because we want you to have a good quality T-shirt. Not just for you. I mean, we want you to have a nice T-shirt, but it's also for us. We want we want it to be a quality T-shirt that you're going to wear for a long time, and that uh, looks nice enough that you'll wear it out to the gun shows and stuff like that and we'll get some advertising from it. And you get uh, a dinner. Uh, so it's a, it's a pretty decent deal. And you'll get to see how you shoot. And uh, I think a lot of the folks, uh, uh, I'm sure a lot of the folks, I can tell you because I, I watch them shoot, a lot of folks uh, come up on some harsh uh, realizations you know, by the time they get through with the event, they they have seen that they that they may be lacking some rifle marksmanship skills, or uh, they may need some more pistol work, or they may need to practice their uh, reloads. And this will show you where you're weak. This will show you where you're weak, and show you where you're strong, and. <clears throat> Uh, and it'll go on uh, rain or sh- rain or shine. Uh, last uh, this last event uh, in October, <clears throat> we had a good bit of rain. Uh, I think near the end of the event, and uh, and you could tell the you could tell the who did who actually did some of the obstacles and who didn't because we had uh, one that was an underground trench. And uh, when it started raining, that thing got kind of muddy. So the people that uh, that didn't walk around the obstacle uh, got to wear their their red badge of courage, their red clay badge of courage with honor. So plan on coming out. It will be April uh, 11th, that's Saturday. We're going to get started probably about 7.30 in the morning. We'll run until we finish. Uh, you guys are welcome to come and camp uh, Friday night. And you're welcome to stay until uh, Sunday. Uh, camping is free. We've got uh, primitive facilities. We've got uh, outhouses and porta cans. We've got a uh, uh, a wood-burning uh, stove Hired shower. You can take a shower here too. It's an outdoor shower. It's got a little you know, enclosure around it, like concrete floor, and uh, they got a 300-gallon water tank, and uh, it's heated with a wood-burning stove. So <clears throat> we've got uh, the you know the bare essentials here. You guys are welcome to camp for free. So put that on your calendar. Uh, April 11th, 2015. The uh, end of the world as we know it, zombie destruction, run and gun. Uh, there'll be, uh, uh, well, I'm, we're starting to get uh, folks, uh, other folks besides us and our friends interested. Uh, I believe Jamie Franks 
from uh, Top Shot is uh, going to be coming again this year. Uh, and several other folks will also be hosting uh, uh, different uh, organizations where we're, we're getting uh, uh, folks, veterans that uh, have uh, any type of disabilities and stuff like that, we're inviting them to come. Uh, and we'll work with them to, to make sure that they can get the most out of the event. Uh, so, all right, I think I beat that horse. Uh, and we, uh, one last thing though, is we've already sold almost a third of the tickets, and uh, we have to shut it down at a hundred, folks, because uh, that's about the that's about the most that we can run through in a day. Uh, we run all of the folks, all the folks, uh, all of the staff stuff runs on Friday. And so we'll have like 35 or 40 folks run on Friday. Then we've got another 100 or so that will run on Saturday. But that's about the most number of folks that we can run through it in a day. So if you're going to get your tickets, uh, go ahead and get them now. You can find the uh, you can find the button on the website at uh, www.battleroadusa.com. And uh, uh, look at the uh, the topics across the top. Let's say the uh, biathlon. Click on that. That'll take you to the uh, the running gun page. And then there is a button on there. There's a sign up link on there. All right. Uh, I've been talking to uh, uh, Caleb Coffee from Lone Star Medics and John Hurth from Cure Group uh, about running a course in July. So I think that what it will be is like a three-day uh, uh, full immersion course that will cover patrolling techniques, including uh, night movements, uh, and uh, a large dose of combat medical. So and that, was, that is what we're looking at setting that up in July. If you have an interest in attending this course. It's a three-day course, and we're not exactly sure what the price is going to be yet, but it's going to be a three-day course in July. If you have an interest in that, be sure and uh, contact me so that uh, we can know if uh, uh, if this is something that uh, we're going to do. Uh, you can shoot me an email at rwvarangescout, R-A-N-G-E-S-C-O-U-T, all one word, lowercase, rwvarangescout at gmail.com alright and then uh, let me know if this is something that you'd like to do and I can also answer any questions you have about it as we're, as we're working the course up uh, we have additional courses coming up uh, for handgun and fighting shotgun and combat carbine course and uh, I'm getting ready to uh, not this weekend but next weekend I'm getting ready to uh, butcher a beef. I'm going to butcher the beef and then hang it in the cooler. And then three weeks after that, we will have our uh, beef and small game processing course. And uh, <clears throat> I'll try and get the uh, all the dates and stuff for that up on the website uh, this weekend. I just started a, a new job and it's it's uh, running me ragged. I'm running from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. and then I still have all my old job chores that I still have to do. I gotta do them now in the dark. So 
So I'm a little bit up behind on some of the scheduling, some of the website stuff. But uh, it will be three weeks after, not this weekend, but next weekend. So four weeks. In four weeks, we'll have the uh, the beef and small game processing class. And uh, what we'll do then for that class is we'll take uh, uh, a beef from the field. We'll... uh, We'll harvest it, we will uh, skin it, we'll clean it, we'll quarter it, we'll hang it in the cooler, and then we'll do the same thing with a hog. And then uh, that will take most of the the day up on Saturday. It's a two-day course. And then on Sunday, we'll get started early with, uh, we'll take the beef that has already aged three weeks, because you want your beef to you want your beef to age. It helps uh, It helps produce the flavor that you're used to. Uh, and most people don't, most people don't hang uh, uh, beef now. They don't dry age beef because of uh, the amount of time it takes. You know, it takes a couple of weeks to, to age it. That means they've got to tie up uh, some facility for a couple of weeks. And uh, and then they have to uh, they're going to lose a percentage of that beef and uh, the water weight from it. So most people don't do that anymore. They do uh, wet aging, and that's where they put it, uh, you know, in the uh, the vacuum seal containers and stuff, and they. Uh, in the uh, uh, stores, and they age it, uh, you know, they age it wet. So, we'll dry age the beef, and then on Sunday we'll uh, pull the beef out, we'll process it, we'll cut it up, we'll uh, we'll cut some steaks out, uh, some uh, roast, stuff like that. We'll process it just like... Uh, just like the butcher does, and then we'll pull the hog out. We'll do the same thing with the hog. And then we'll end up making some sausage and some hamburger, and uh, the folks that attend will be uh, able to purchase some of the beef. And uh, it's, uh, it is... Uh, fully organic beef, no chemicals, no uh, no hormones, no uh, GMO feed, anything like that. They're raised on grass, uh, and uh, uh, and really that's it. So you'll be getting uh, some really quality beef and the knowledge uh, of how to uh, of how to process uh, an animal how to harvest it and uh, process it from out in the field to your table, all right? <clears throat> I imagine we'll probably try and make uh, <clears throat> some uh, jerked meat, too, while we're at it, some beef jerky. Uh, of course, that takes uh, takes a while to make, so it's not like you're going to be able to make it in a weekend. Uh, <clears throat> but uh, that will be uh, four weeks from this weekend. All right, uh, what I wanted to talk about tonight 
was your dry fire, uh, your self-reliance, your prepping dry fire game. Now, you guys have heard me talk before about keeping your dry fire game running. And uh, when I talk about the dry fire game, I'm talking about everything you do with your firearm uh, other than actually fire around, okay? Uh, you're, you're, you're doing all of your, uh, with your handgun, you're doing your draws. Uh, you're, you're doing your aiming. You're squeezing the trigger. You're doing everything except firing a live round. Uh, same thing with your rifle. You're getting into your different positions. You're getting your sights on the target. You're dry firing so that you can see if your sights are moving or not uh, in this process. You're doing everything uh, that you would do during the course of shooting other than actually firing a live round. You're doing magazine changes. You're uh, uh, you're doing uh, the, the transitions, you know. All of the stuff that you would do when you're at the range except firing. And then you use your... Uh, your range time to verify that uh, your self-instruction, that your dry fire game, is uh, adding the benefits that you need. And I always tell shooters that this is what this is a dry fire game is what makes or breaks you as a shooter. Uh, unless you have uh, the facilities and the time. Uh, and the money to spend, uh, I don't know, seven, eight hours a week at the range, uh, the only way you're going to to be able to equal that amount of training is going to be uh, by having a good dry fire game. And uh, uh, like whenever I get up in the morning, I put uh, my handgun on, uh, and I put the rest of my clothes and stuff on, then I begin my dry fire game right there. I'll do, I'll, I'll make sure that the, the firearm is unloaded, and then I'll do uh, a dozen, maybe two dozen draws in the clothing that I'm wearing for that day. Uh, that way, if there is something particular to that clothing, I'm, I'm aware of it, and uh, and I'm ready to, I'm ready to work through it. Uh, in the event that I have to draw my firearm during the day. Uh, that's part of my dry fire game. If it's uh, winter and I'm wearing a jacket, uh, then I put the jacket on and I practice my draw with the jacket. If it's a rainy day, I put my raincoat on. I practice my draw wearing the raincoat. Uh, because each of these situations <coughs> uh, presents you with with new uh, with new problems, with uh, with new possibilities. And you can do the same thing with your self-reliance, with your prepping program. Okay? You can do the same thing with your self-reliance and prepping program. You can... Uh, uh, you can set up situations, scenarios uh, where you 
where you have to use some of your skills and uh, and actually uh, see how good they work. Uh, one of the things that I do for my dry fire game is anytime I make a, a fire in the fireplace or the barbecue pit, anything like that, I always use uh, uh, some other thing than a match or a lighter. I'll use a, uh, the flint and steel. Uh, I'll use something other than a match or a lighter so that I'm always uh, uh, working on my fire starting uh, skills. Uh, you can use, uh, uh, and it doesn't have to be uh, actual, uh, you don't have to do uh, actual situations, you can simply go through them in your head. Uh, and you should be doing this on a fairly regular basis. Uh, and I, I don't mean you have to get uh, uh, obsessive or paranoid or anything like that. But you should be constantly uh, working on... Uh, on your planning of what you would do if, uh, and then running through the the whole scenario, all right? And you can start with as simple as, uh, what would I do if uh, tonight there was a some type of a cessation of services from uh, from snow uh, or ice on the wires or something like that? All right, if that happens, here's what I'm going to do. Uh, I'm going to make sure that I uh, uh, I drag my uh, kerosene heater out and uh, get it primed up and ready to go. I'm going to uh, uh, grab the uh, the emergency lights uh, that I have. I'm going to and carry carry it through from the beginning of the event until the uh, cessation of services ends until you know, the lights come back on uh, at the end of a day. All right? So that you're working through this, you say, okay, what am I going to need? If the power goes out, that means I'm not going to have any heat. I'm not going to have any, probably any water. Uh, I probably am not going to have uh, uh, any a uh, uh, the ability to use my computer. Uh, I may or may not have phone services. Okay, so how am I going to get through the day or, you know, the, the 24-hour period uh, without these things? Well, how am I going to facilitate uh, getting through this event without the use of the things I'm normally accustomed to? And you work through it, uh, section by section, piece by piece, and uh, and develop a plan for it. Now, that you may or may not have all the things that you need. And if you don't, then make notes on this. Make notes and say, okay, uh, here's what I realize. Uh, I've got a, a kerosene heater, but uh, I only have enough kerosene for eight hours. So... I need to think about laying in some additional kerosene, making notes of it, and then and then go and get the kerosene. Uh, 
uh, if you and, and and certainly uh, I would think part of your drive our game in a in a situation like that. If you have uh, if you live in an area where the uh, where it gets cold like that, certainly part of your drive our game would be uh, once a month or once every two months to say, all right, I'm going to drag it out uh, and we're going to burn this thing. We're going to burn it for uh, four or five hours. We're going to fire it up and we're going to burn it. Make sure it's running okay. Make sure I know how to regulate uh, the uh, the heat output of it. Make sure I have, I'm looking and I'm seeing how much it's actually burning uh, in a uh, four-hour period or an eight-hour period. Make sure that you know uh, how that device is going to work, how to set it up, how to get it running. Having a... Uh, uh, a kerosene heater for emergency use or something is great, but not knowing how to set it up and run it is not so great, okay? Make sure that you're uh, whipping that thing out and you're starting it up and you're running it and that you're seeing how much kerosene is actually going to burn, how much it's going to take for you to get through a 24-hour period. And then... Uh, make sure that uh, that you follow all the instructions as far as uh, putting it back away into storage for maintenance or stuff. Some of these uh, devices, some of them they want you to drain. Some of it, some of them, it's okay to leave filled with kerosene. Uh, but if you're going to do that, then you want to make sure that you are storing it somewhere that it's safe to store kerosene, right? like not in your closet with your uh, ammunition. So make sure that you're that you're working through uh, you're working through that you're running your dry fire game and working through these situations uh becoming familiar with the equipment that you're going to use uh and then uh and then making notes about the things that you that you need to change, uh, that you need to uh, augment, uh, stuff like that. All right. Uh, the the same thing can be applied to your food stores, to your water and your food stores. You know, whenever you run through... Uh, like a training event or a dry fire uh, event on this. And these are kind of two different things. I'm kind of lumping them together, together tonight. Uh, but they're kind of two different things. Your dry fire game is uh, is usually a little bit less intense than uh, your training events. But for tonight, we're just going to, we're going to talk about them kind of in the same vein. So, uh, because you can also you can also like uh, switch in and out of them. That means that you can have a uh, you can have a dry fire uh, your dry firing game going and actually pull out uh, some of the gear, fire it up, and get it ready. <clears throat> and uh, you can do the same thing with uh, with just running sections of your training events. When I talk about a training event, it's uh, it's it's where you uh, have decided that you're going to to run your uh, self-reliance game for whatever amount of time 
uh, you know, that you that you need to see how well it's going. It could be a four-hour period, or it could be a 24-hour period, or it could be a two-day period. Uh, a lot of folks uh, will run a uh, like a two-day training exercise on the weekends, and that's where you uh, where you simulate a cessation of services, and you uh, you don't use your power, you don't use your stoves, you don't use uh, the water faucets. You run it uh, uh, just like you would if there was a cessation of services event. And uh, however much, however deeply you decide to go into that, that's, uh, it's up to you. But you're not going to, to get the benefit uh, of a training event unless you run it uh, kind of full throttle. But you can certainly pick and choose. You know, I don't want to discourage you. I don't want you to think that, uh, to say, look, I either have to turn off all the breakers and, and turn the water line off, uh, and if I'm going to get any real training value out of this, because that's not true. Uh, anytime, you, anytime you work any one section of it, you're getting the benefit of that training, all right? Uh, so if you want to do the same thing with your food stores, you can do the same thing with your food stores. You can say, all right, I've got uh, whatever it is that, that you're planning on using for food stores in a uh, cessation of services event. And, of course, first of, first of all, you would use up whatever you, whatever you had that was still in the refrigerator and everything like that. But eventually you'd come to that point where you're, where you're going to have to start using your uh, your prepping, your prep food, stuff like, uh, um, I don't know, whatever it is that you have laid in or, you know, whatever slices of stuff that you have that you're working on, and that could be uh, uh, MREs or uh, stuff like that, Mountain House, uh, dried food, uh, or canned food, or... Uh, dried uh, grains and rice and stuff like that. And make sure that uh, that you're able to prepare this food that you laid in. And the reason I say that because there's a lot of folks that, uh, that I've found that say, "Hey, look, I've got uh, I've got you know 100 pounds of rice and 100 pounds of uh, beans, pinto beans." In case something happens, and, uh, and I say, "Well, okay, how are you planning on preparing those?" And they go, "Well, that's something I have to work on because I've really, I've really never made beans. You know, the pinto beans. I've really never made them from the dried stock, and uh, it's something I'm going to look into and figure out. Well, that's that's what I'm telling you to do now. Look into it and figure out how you're going to make it now." Uh, find out what it takes. How you're going to have to uh, soak the beans and uh, and cull out the uh, you know the the bad beans that are in your dried bean stock. And there's always there's always some bad beans in there, and, and and it only takes a few minutes to cull them out. You know, whenever you're you're getting ready to do your pre-soak, make sure that you're culling out the bad beans and uh, you know rinsing them if you can. Get the uh, whatever dirt and insects or anything out of there. And uh, unless you're going to count on that that uh, that like three percent uh, uh, insect uh, body parts and excrement as part of your as part of your protein. Uh, then you're going to want to rinse them out. 
pull the beans out, soak them, and cook them. Same thing with the rice. And if you're doing it uh, uh, full blown, then you're gonna you're you're gonna figure out how you're going to cook it with something other than your stove. How long it takes? How much uh, gas did you have to use? How much you know compressed gas or you know propane? Uh, how much charcoal did it take to heat uh, to cook that, those beans uh, and that rice? Uh, how is it different than cooking on the stove? Because it it is different. Uh, I know that, uh, and you can cook in your fireplace, but that's different too. This is all different. You're gonna have to figure it. You you need to actually have that as part of your uh, your training program to figure out the differences, to figure out how different it is. If I'm going to uh, cook a pot of beans, uh, let's say in the fireplace, uh, how long is that going to take? And how do I need to do it? How do I need to adjust the fire? How, do, how am I going to regulate the fire into those beans? Uh, which is not a whole lot different than doing it on a campfire. But if you haven't done it on a campfire, then you've got to figure it out. You know, you've got to, you've got, you need to uh, to figure these things out. And I've always thought it was, uh, I've always enjoyed that. I've always enjoyed uh, cooking on the campfire or figuring out how to uh, to cook some beans or to make uh, some bread uh, in a Dutch oven with a fireplace or a campfire. And you will too. All right. Don't look at it as a chore. Look at it as a as a fun event, and figure out how to do it now. Figure out how to do it now, so that uh, when you completely uh, burn those beans up, or uh, or you undercook them, or whatever, that uh, that you can go to the refrigerator and you can you, you can get those, I don't know what some tater tots or something out of there, uh, and eat those. Don't do it. Don't wait until you're depending uh, on providing food for yourself and your family and getting a uh, and getting and and discovering that you're having problems doing it right uh, so make sure that you are working through food dry fire game and uh, and your food training exercises and that you're preparing these foods that you have because uh, most of the, uh, the stuff like the mountain house and stuff like that is pretty foolproof. Uh, normally you just uh, you figure out some way to boil some water and pour it in or you boil some water and put the packages in the boiling water. Uh, different things like that. But uh, there's also like the bulk items. Like if you've got some dried peas and stuff, you're going to want to rehydrate uh, whatever amount of those there are first before you cook it. And you want to see how long that's going to take. How long does it take to rehydrate them? How much water? How long do I need to cook it then? Uh, so drag your stuff out. Prepare a meal out of it. Uh, and and figure out what it takes to do this. We'll figure out how it how it's going to work. <clears throat> The same thing with your water purification plan. Now, certainly, you guys have heard me talk about make sure that you've stored at at least a minimum amount of water, at least enough water that can carry you through uh, at least three three to five days 
so that so that everything isn't happening at once. You're dealing with this station of services event, and you're having to go and uh, and find water and purify that water at the same time. Uh, try and break it up so that you're only having to deal with a couple of things at once. You can do that by having some ready-made uh, uh, food and some, I mean, some easy-to-prepare uh, uh, food. Things like uh, like canned food, MREs, stuff like that. Stuff that you don't have to figure out how to to, uh, uh, to get a fire going and cook it. Uh, you don't have to go and, and find uh, five gallons of water and then purify it. You'll have uh, uh, several days' worth of water that you've got stored in your closet, in your garage, under your bed, uh, <clears throat> and some food that you can just uh, cut the can open and uh, and eat it. So that what does that mean? That means make sure you've got a can opener too, right? You can cut the can opener, cut the can open, and eat it cold out of the can if you need to. Which I do all the time anyway with some of the things I like. Uh, Anyway, I like cold green beans. I like uh, cold uh, pork and beans. So make sure that you have uh, some kind of a buffer uh, so that you're not having to purify water. You're not trying to have a, to figure out how to uh, uh, cook up rice and beans. Uh, make sure you've got some kind of a buffer that's going to carry you over to that. But practice making that rice and beans. Practice uh, getting some water uh, and purifying the water. Uh, you can practice, uh, right, and if you, you can practice boiling water, uh, making sure that uh, that you're boiling water. Get, a, get your thermometer, make sure that you're boiling it at the correct temperature for the correct amount of time. Uh, you can drag your... Uh, your water purification pumps uh, out and use them. And, you know, it doesn't hurt to use them. It's 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 good to keep them in use because uh, having uh, a lot of times having some of this gear stored away forever without using it is not good. And it's good to to pump some water through the the devices and get it uh, and purify it. Uh, to see how easy it is, to, uh, how hard it is to set it up, to see how much water you can actually pump or you can produce, how much purified water you can actually produce in uh, uh, in a certain amount of time, uh, to see what the water tastes like if you have boiled it and then added a few drops of iodine or something like that. You can see what the water tastes like so that... Uh, so that it doesn't hit you uh, by surprise, all right? Uh, you know, a lot of folks can take a certain amount of stress, and other folks can't. Uh, so if you're going to be boiling water or and adding iodine or something to it to, to purify it, uh, it might be a good idea to run through that a few times, <clears throat> And then drink a little bit of it and see what you see what you think so that uh, uh, so that when you're in a high stress situation or something you don't take a drink of that water and start freaking out and saying oh we've done something wrong it tastes like iodine uh, 
it's going to it's going to taste uh, funny. It's going to taste crappy. When you boil water, you 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 kind of uh, burn all the oxygen out of it uh, when you heat it up. Uh, you can reintroduce oxygen to the water uh, by letting it cool and then pouring it back and forth from one container to another. Uh, and oxygen will eventually diffuse uh, through the surface where it takes a good, a, a good amount of time. But if you've drank, uh, if you ever drank boiled water, you know, it has a different taste to it. It has a funky taste. There's no oxygen in the water. So, but it doesn't hurt you to drink some of that water so that you say, okay, this is what it tastes like when it's boiled. Uh, I'm not going to freak out because this is what it tastes like. It, this isn't, you know, I'm not uh, I'm not having uh, uh, hallucinations or uh, I, I'm not, uh, I didn't do something wrong or the water tastes funny and we're all going to die. It's going to taste funny. So, it doesn't hurt you to kind of experience that. Take a drink of the bowl of water and uh, and see what it's going to taste like. Take a drink of that the water that you run through your uh, uh, the purification pumps. See how that's going to taste. Because it's going to taste different too. <clears throat> uh, it's going to remove uh, it's going to remove some of the taste that might be naturally occurring in your tap water stuff like that. Uh, if you're using it uh, on, uh, if you go and grab some water from your pond and you boil that up and then you run it through the, uh, run it through the, uh, the purification pump, it's going to taste different. <clears throat> so, uh, there's no reason you can't, uh, you can't experience that now, see how it, uh, to see how it works, see how it runs, and uh, and uh, give it a try now. <clears throat> All right. Uh, the. Uh, the same thing applies with your energy needs. Uh, if you're going to use, a, if you say, look, if uh, if your uh, if if when something happens, I'm going to use my Coleman lantern. Then, then by all, by all means, please go and get your Coleman lantern and set it up and burn it. Uh, fill it all the way to the top. Uh, uh, turn on the... Uh, turn it on. Start burning it. And see how it... Uh, how long it's going to run. How long it's going to run at, uh, at its uh, brightest temperature. <clears throat> you know, time it. See how long it's going to run. How much fuel it takes to run it. And... Uh, and then practice changing the mantles. Uh, practice working through it. Uh, don't wait. Now, a lot of folks, uh, you know, have uh, prior use with their uh, with some of this equipment. But I also know for a fact that a lot of people don't. That a lot of people 
have, have purchased this equipment and they put it away, you know, for for use in a safe session of services event. But they have not uh, they've not set it up and run it. Uh, I know because they've told me. So make sure that you're that you're actually getting your equipment out, you're setting it up, you're running it. Same thing with your with the Coleman stoves. Uh, get the stove out, set it up, uh, make you some coffee on it, cook a meal on it every now and then, so that you'll see how it's going to work, how long the uh, and be sure and and uh, time. Like if you're gonna if you sit there and you use it to uh, uh, to cook during the weekend or something, time how much time you're actually able to use it uh, on a tank of uh, propane, so that you'll know. Uh, how many actual uh, meals you're going to be able to cook with that one tank of propane? So that you can then multiply that, uh, so that it is equal to the number of days that you want to be prepared for. Uh, any of the stuff that, uh, any of the equipment like that that you're going to be uh, using, your Coleman lanterns, the stoves, the gas stoves the heaters, the kerosene heaters, any of that stuff. Make sure that you have, you've pulled it out, you've set it up, you've run it. <clears throat> you've figured out uh, the correct way to tie the mantles. You've figured out the, the right way to uh, to light it uh, and that you're actually using this stuff because in a, in a situation where you do are experiencing cessation of services, you're also going to experience experiencing much higher levels of stress because it's going to be an unnatural situation for most folks. And the last thing you want to do is to be trying to figure out how to light the Coleman lantern when it's dark and cold and everybody's yelling at you and saying it's dark and cold. And uh, you're saying, I'm trying, I'm trying, but I, uh, I've never done this before. And it's going to really elevate your levels of stress. And that's the last thing you need in a situation like that. You want to try and uh, and moderate your stress. One way to do that is to be familiar with your equipment. So make sure that you, that you are uh, running your dry fire game with your equipment and that you're also running your training events with your equipment. And like I said, you can run it as a whole event or you can just pick and choose slices out of it so that you're rotating through the different slices for your training event. Uh, and uh, the same thing would go would would be running. We've uh, we talked about uh, water, food, energy, and then shelter and security are the last two. And uh, and shelter. Uh, it's going to depend on what your plan is for cessation of services. If your your plan is uh, uh, to be in your house, then that's good. Uh, make sure that you uh, that you have the things in your house that you're going to need uh, in order to respond to uh, uh, to your shelter needs. That means if it's uh, winter. Uh, make sure that you've figured out uh, uh, in your draft fire game the best way to respond to that. 
know, if you have a, uh, a five or six bedroom home, uh, you know, or, or you know, even just a, a three or four bedroom home, and it's winter, and you've lost all your power and stuff, and might, the best bet may not be to try and heat your whole home with uh, with a small device. And the best bet might be to uh, close off part of the house and uh, simply heat uh, uh, one bedroom or or heat just uh, close off the bedroom. Everybody go into the living room uh, and heat the living room. See how well that will work. Um, and then uh, make sure that... Uh, Make sure that you're uh, also considering your security dry fire game. All right. Now, of course, now here we are at the sexy part of self reliance. That's the uh, the part that everybody wants to jump to. Always is the security. Let's talk about the guns. <clears throat> well, that's great. Let's talk about them. Let's uh, let's. Uh, Let's certainly include your security needs uh, in your your self reliance dry fire game. That means making sure that uh, that you are going through these scenarios that uh, that you're going to need uh, that you're going to uh, that you're planning for, and seeing if you're if if your security plans uh, are going to be up to speed to meet your needs. If you say, uh, <clears throat> okay, if uh, if there is some type of cessation of services or if there is some event, uh, whatever it is, uh, if there's rioting, if there's looting, if, uh, uh, or if there's simply a... Uh, uh, the police are after some person and uh and he could be in the neighborhood what what am i gonna do? How am I gonna respond to that? Am I going to uh do like on the horror movies and uh and just get my flashlight and go wandering around uh in the backyard and stuff like that uh We know that doesn't work out so good. Uh, uh, a lot of the uh, the movies. So what are you going to do? How are you going to respond to it? Uh, how are you going to? Uh, how is your family members going to respond to it? And I I think it's perfectly okay to discuss this with your family. I mean, you don't that fine line uh, of. Uh, of obsession and stuff, people obsessing with it, but uh, there's certainly uh, there's certainly no reason that uh, you don't discuss this with your family. <clears throat> and uh, figure out uh, figure out how you are going to respond to certain events. And what your family, uh, okay, uh, what your family should expect from you, and what you should expect from your family, right? Uh, 
if somebody's trying to break into the to the home, uh, what are you going to do? What do you expect your family members to do? Are they going to uh, do you have like a uh, a safe room, or do you have a a room in your house that is easily defendable? Uh, uh, are you going to uh, is everybody going to take off running out the back door? If that's a plan and it and it works, then then let's brief everybody on that plan, and then let's give it a try. Let's give it a shot. All right. Uh, these are the things that that you should be. Uh, like I said, it, 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 they 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 make movies, uh, you know, comedies about uh, people that obsess on it, and they and then they have the the prepping shows where. Where the mother is uh, is terrified of bacteria and plague, and and they have the the whole family uh, donning their protective gear in 30 seconds and stuff like that. I uh, I don't know how realistic that is. If your family goes for it, fine. They might, they may consider it uh, uh, some type of entertainment. Uh, most won't. And uh, uh, so. Uh, but you can still make sure that everybody knows at least the basics. Uh, if there's a fire in your home, uh, what is, what is what is your uh, expectations uh, for yourself and your family members? Do do, do the folks know uh, where the uh, fire extinguishers are? Uh, do they know? Where they're supposed to uh, go after they leave the home, <clears throat> because there's certainly been plenty of cases of a fire in the home, and uh, and everybody takes off running out the different doors and windows, and uh, and the kids run over to the neighbors, and the father can't find the kids, and he goes back in the house and burns to death, uh, or the mother too. Same thing with the mom; she'll do the same thing. So, does everybody know? Uh, how they're supposed to react to this, what they're supposed to do. Uh, I see the guys in the chat room there talking about spam. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm I'm a big fan of spam. I got a whole bunch of uh, spam and uh, what's the other one? Treat. Treat. I got that at the dollar store. The treat. Uh, cans of treat. And, uh, and I pull them out every now and then and I eat them. Uh, uh, but you should be working on your, uh, like on your security and your emergency protocols. Uh, do you expect uh, your family members to assist you in defending the home with firearms? If so, do they all have the training that's required for that? Because uh, you can't just say if something happens, uh, I'm going to. I'm going to hand everybody a gun, and voila, we're going to defend the home. If they have no prior training, they have no prior experience with it. Uh, it I mean, you can. It's you're just not going to get the desired effect uh, that you would like from that. Uh, so, these are the things that uh, you can be working on in your dry fire game, and like I said, you don't have to, uh, it doesn't, each of these training exercises, each of this, 
these events don't have to be full-blown events. But you can take a slice out of it and familiarize yourself and your family with these events. You can make sure that your equipment is working or not working. Uh, you can find the glitches in it. And, and finding glitches is a good thing, okay? Because there's glitches with everything. Finding the glitches uh, uh, as part of a training event on a regular uh, non-end-of-the-world weekend is great because uh, you can always you can fix it and uh, they'll be alive to watch your favorite movies that night. All right? <clears throat> okay. Uh, I think that's... Uh, I think that's going to cover, uh, I think I've covered about what I wanted to cover tonight. And uh, and certainly if you guys have any questions, you're welcome to, to email me. If you have any uh, comments, you're welcome to uh, uh, to email me those. Uh, we've got a new blog post up on the uh, Battle Road blog. Uh, it's called uh, In All Fairness. And it was written by Rick Smith, JB, and uh, he's talking about the the way that uh, America has uh, become a uh, everything has to be fair uh, nation. Everything has to be fair. Everything has to be equal. The problem with that is that everything isn't fair. Everything isn't equal. It's never going to be. Uh, so you need to understand the dangers inherent in thinking that everything is fair, everything is equal. All right? Give the blog a read. You can find it at uh, www.battleroadusa.com and click on the tab at the top of the page that says blog. Uh, if you guys have hey, any... Uh, yes? I was going to make a suggestion for for some of the folks out there when they uh Go right ahead. come out for when they come out for the zombie running gun maybe they ought to bring their uh their bug out gear and live with that for the weekend just to test it out well, you can certainly do that uh, you know i whenever i do the the running gun. Uh, now, people. Everybody does their their own thing. You know, everybody. We don't we don't expect people to uh, uh, to do it any certain way. They're welcome to do it however they want. But just like you were saying, whenever I do the event, uh, and some people some people will run it in uh, uh, tennis shoes, uh, you know, running shorts, uh, polo shirt. Uh, They'll have their pistol and just the exact amount of ammunition, their rifle, the exact amount of ammunition, and that's it. Uh, they're running it like a like a competition, and uh, that's fine. But for me, when I run it, I run it with uh, with my actual with my actual bug eye gear. I mean, there's I'm gonna be I'm gonna be on this race for about two hours. <laughs> which means I don't need uh, uh, all of my water purification gear. Uh, I don't need a, 
that extra 400 rounds that I'm carrying. I don't need uh, uh, the camp saw. I don't need all my fire starting gear. Uh, I don't need all that stuff. But you know what? I carry it because that's what I'm. That's what I'm gonna carry whenever something happens. So whenever I do run, when I run the event, I run it carrying. Uh, I normally run it carrying my full gear. And uh, and certainly you guys are welcome. You come out to the uh, to the event. You're welcome to to do the same thing. You know, it's a good time for them to test out that camp stove and see if that latest sleeping bag works too. Get a little yeah, and a lot of folks a lot of folks lantern. do do that. Cooking some beans and rice. You know, it's a, yeah, I'll a see good people uh, to try it all out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'll see people doing that. Then I'll see people also uh, uh, eating MREs, and uh, and of course, you know, a couple of people have asked me, "Why are you why are you eating those MREs?" And they go, "Well, you know, we we never we we haven't eaten them before, and and uh, and we just thought this would be a good time to to test it out, see how it tastes, see if they're any good." And it is, and you can uh, you can certainly do that uh, when you guys come out. You're certainly welcome to do that. But I still want I, I want everybody to be thinking that the the key to getting through uh, some type of event like a cessation of services event is going to be uh, a, a very large part of it is going to be mental, and that is. Have you thought about it? Have you thought about what you would do in that event? And have you worked through, mentally worked through the problems and figured out some solutions? Uh, and then uh, the next step is taking that, taking the, the the things that you've worked through, these solutions and stuff, and actually putting them into to use and seeing if they'll actually work. So uh, that's what I would really like for folks to, to do is work through these things in your head. That's part of your, you know, your dry fire game, and then uh, and then start running through uh, your your training days, your training events, and taking uh, some slices uh, of what you're going to do, and actually running through it, running through these uh, uh, these scenarios. Uh, Using your uh, uh, briefing your family members, and uh, you know running through some of these scenarios, uh, it can be like I said, it can be uh, there's a fire. You can have a fire drill just like the school does. Uh, working through these events prior to something happening is going to is going to be the difference in making it and not making it. Okay. So, uh, all right. Uh, let's see. There's, there's a uh, somebody that's calling. I'm going to say before we before we cut off. But all right, let me bring him on. You there, Scott? Hey, how's it going? <clears throat> it's yeah, it's Warren here. How you doing? No, I'm doing okay. Um, How about yourself? Doing great. Um, I was a year ago in uh, in your spring gun and run. I was impressed. You were lugging around a Garand and a forty-five, and <laughs> after the foot problem, and uh, you were still making tracks. I got to say, um, 
Well, and that, yeah, that now that time I don't think I did carry. Uh, oh, no, I did. I carried a backpack. I carried a small backpack. I carried my my uh, uh, the same backpack that I carry, like in my vehicle, and it and it has uh, uh, all of my basic stuff. It's got a water purification system, fire starting gear, uh, zip ties, a camp saw, stuff like that. But not though. It doesn't have a full set of stuff. But uh, you know, but it's got. Uh, Enough uh, for a really good perimeter check, anyway. Yeah, yeah, and then I get then the grand, and uh, uh, I believe I had uh, let's see, I believe I had two hundred rounds for it, and uh, and then another two hundred for the pistol. <laughs> and uh, well, it looked like well, you, you, know, were, you were you. intent on getting getting over the injury and. Uh, and and remarking the territory for crying out loud, you know it's it's you were steaming along pretty good, I gotta say. Well, you planning on coming out in April? Um, I'll see. I've got you know some things here in the in a situation where I'll be able to disappear for a day or two. But uh, if things are going well, I probably will. I won't know till two weeks ahead of time. And if you're uh, short of uh, ROs, I'll of course volunteer and raise my hand again. Well, great. Yeah, just uh, just let Mark know, and I'm sure that we'll, uh, I'm sure that we can probably always use you, uh, and uh, I look forward to seeing you there again. Uh, I, uh, was, what well, did you think about the event? Uh, that you uh, the event, anybody can can go there. I mean, it was a, a mix from hard charging operators all the way to. Uh, father-daughter, father-son teams, uh, couples uh, in their 50s. Um, uh, it looked like a church group was involved uh, in, in, in the case. I mean, like, the whole spectrum of humanity was represented. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I do. I, I enjoy that part of it. And, you know, we're not uh, – uh, we're a lot different than, than than some events because we get uh, – we really get a good uh, – uh, variety of folks uh, that come. We've tried to make it so that uh, so that anybody uh, can do the event, and uh, and we do get a lot of folks like that. We had uh, uh, we've got people that are doing they're doing this as their first ever uh, competition event of any kind. Uh, we've got like you said, we had. Uh, uh, I think uh, during the 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 time that you came, I think we had, uh, I think there were like five or six grandmothers that uh, uh, that actually uh, ran through the event, and uh, and some kids, and uh, it was a family uh, or, you know, family oriented. You know, it was great. Right. <laughs> um, you know, the, uh, the I, I, your instructors. And and the people that were running the safety end of the organization there, you know, really, really, you know, they were former students who had been through um, all of your stuff and and continued on. And and uh, some of them are instructors with you, and some of them were um, uh, former students that were, you know, like came back and volunteered. Plus, to you know, to be able to run, uh, you know, they worked so they could run things, and uh, it 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 bode very well for your instructional methods because they were all really good. I learned a lot 
just coming in and, and kind of like you fit me into a place. I said I'd be comfortable with rifle. You said, good, you're working on the pistol range. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, you changed my whole paradigm of uh, of of what is uh, possible with uh, uh, with pistol. You know, it's it was, you know, okay, great. You threw me someplace where I didn't know anything, and uh, and and it kind of like opened my eyes. And and I think any of your courses are going to be like that. Uh, I haven't had the time to come back and take some of your courses, but like, wow, your students and and everybody else that's gone through there. Um, we're all very competent, um, which impressed me. You know, just as an outsider coming in, you know, you threw me into the mix and said, you know, hey, you know, you can do this, okay. Uh, you checked up on me, made sure I was working okay. You paired me off with a good um, uh, one of your former students who was running the pistol course. And, you know, it was like right from there between, you know, you and everybody that came through the first, you know, the first Friday there to, tuned me up to as the stations, see how we were going to run things, um, really put, you know, an emphasis, an emphasis first on safety as always. But, you know, the skill and competence, um, I was really, really impressed. Great, great cool, organization. Thanks. You know, just as anybody who's listening, you know, like, hey, jump into this uh, zombie run thing because it does get full. Um, there was a little bit of squeak room. Uh, for numbers on there that you um, you had some more in, but uh, there's not much, so don't think beyond. Yeah, 100. and we're <laughs> yeah we're we've already sold almost a third of the tickets now, so uh, so it's only too long. I mean, we want no. we'd like everybody that uh, that uh, wants to attend the event, we want them to to be able to come. And but uh, but like I said, we because of the the time factor, we start runners off like on five minute intervals. And uh, there's only so many five-minute intervals in the day, and uh, we can't do it at night. So we've got to get everybody run through, uh, you know, in the in the daytime in the slots. And uh, uh, so we got to keep it uh, keep the the number of folks who attend down to uh, right around a hundred or so. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well. Uh, and just well, I appreciate and, and it was a great opportunity for me to learn. Uh, you know, you you, you were. It was a whole family-oriented thing. The entire event was was such that it was more like a family picnic than anything else. You know, between the camping area, um, the people coming in, signing up, rolling through the courses, the after uh, awards and everything else, was like a great picnic. So people are going to enjoy it. Well, great. Uh, okay, well, hold on just a minute. Let me see. I've got... Uh... Another caller, area code seven one two. Go to it, Scott. Take care. All right. Yeah, uh, in your, I'm fine. But who is this? This is Mark. That's Mark from Wyoming. He listens every night. Oh, okay. Okay, okay. I got it. I got I'm it. Just, I'm just listening, guys. Don't waste your time. You're about out of time there. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, yeah, yeah we're we're probably gonna we're probably gonna to call it a night for tonight, but uh, uh, but if whatever, if you didn't catch the show, you can catch it in the the archives. Alrighty, all right, okay, guys. Uh, I think that's gonna do it for tonight. 
uh, I want to thank uh, the folks that uh, that listen. Uh, thanks to uh, Warren for calling in and uh, uh, and everybody else who is listening. And uh, thanks to the rest of the folks that are going to listen in the archives. And as always, if there's some subject that uh, that you guys would like to hear or a guest that you would like to hear, be sure and let me know, and uh, we'll do our best to get them on. All right. Uh, that's going to do it for tonight. And Sam, thank you. Thanks for uh, thanks for trying to cover me again tonight with uh, with me getting in again late. I think that uh, I imagine I'm just going to have to roll the dice on uh, pre scheduling the shows. I hate to do that because fifty uh, percent of the time there's some kind of grief or glitch with that. But I imagine I'll have to do that if uh, if I'm going to keep getting off work as late as I am. Uh, but thanks for. Uh, Thanks for being there every time uh, we do the show. Well, I wouldn't miss it either. I enjoy being here. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, we'll see you uh, next Thursday, 7 p.m. So then, uh, God bless and keep you all.